In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me, Alana Rea. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It is truly an honor to have you. I love your mission, everything you stand for. You're just a rock star in all realms. So I'm pumped to hear like the backstory today. So I'm so pumped to have you here. Thank you so much. And of course, I always start out with like the most complicated question known to man, which is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? No, it's actually, it's a great question. And especially because this was a really unexpected journey for me. I was a lawyer for a long time. I did mergers and acquisitions in New York City, which I totally loved. If someone had said I would take this like massive left turn, I never would have believed it. What inspired it was my daughter. And she was in middle school while I was working. And I realized at this really crucial, impressionable age where role models mean so much, She had no idea what I was doing all day. A lot of that was my fault. I wasn't explaining it to her. I wasn't letting her into the office world and showing her what I did. And even more than that, she didn't know what a lot of my friends did. And these were really accomplished women with fascinating jobs. And she just didn't see them as working women. All she saw was my friend from book club or so-and-so's mom or an aunt. And that just stayed with me while I was practicing law. At the time, I just made an effort to take her to lunch with those women on a regular basis and make sure that she could see up close what it was like to be a physician or to work on Wall Street or something like that. But later when I retired, it just kept nudging at me. And that's what made me decide to start Etra and to launch it as a website first. That's amazing. Now, can you tell us about the mission, Etra's mission and everything and Yeah, definitely. So awesome. I love it. Um, Thank you. Etra means to be in French. And I love the idea right from the outset of asking girls who they wanted to be. And I liked the middle school age, which is really where we started, not just because that was when I noticed that my daughter didn't have enough amazing female role models in her life, but it seemed to be the time where girls were, their confidence was faltering a little bit. They were stepping out of the harder math or science classes. Maybe they weren't trying out for that next level sports team. And the more I read about it, the more I really did see a confidence gap that the research was bearing out. So I thought I would just launch a website with inspirational quotes and free resources to help girls stick with what they loved. If you love your sport and your school doesn't have it, here are a bunch of quotes from Olympic athletes and women who have excelled in that area. If you love STEM, and there isn't a science fair at your school, here are a bunch of regional and national science fairs you can enter. And I thought I would start like that, and then it just grew really quickly. Then the more girls that followed it and got involved, I created a board and started having them really run the show and decide what was gonna go up on a page and who we would interview. And from there, it morphed into meeting the women. 
the girls weren't satisfied with just the quotes or the resources. They wanted to meet the women who were speaking to them. And that's how we started going into companies. And the heart of what Etra does is we go into companies and meet female leaders face to face. And the companies are organizations that the girls pick, they vote. So think companies like Spotify and Google and the stock exchange and billboard where they use the product or they understand what the company does and we only meet women. And it's been, it's been fascinating. That's amazing. And how many years now has Etra been? We just turned five. So we are big. We're in kindergarten now. We're five. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. 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 And I just love, I love the story and how it ties to your daughter and how that came close, but I want to reel it back a little bit. You know, what do you, so not a little bit, a lot, because I love your story and I want to dig into different pieces of it. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Just wondering. (laughs) A lawyer. It was just a straightforward, really boring (laughs) career path. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. My grandmother was a lawyer. She graduated from Brooklyn Law in 1936. So really when, when women were not lawyers and then my third year of law school, my mother went to law school. And so she became a lawyer at the age of 50, but I just, I had always loved it. I felt like law really fit with my skill set. I liked history and English. I was a government major in college. There was never a point really growing up where I didn't think I was going to go to law school. And then I loved it as much as I thought I would. I went to the university of Chicago. I completely loved it. And then I went straight into a big firm from there. It was just not even a dotted line. It was straight on. Wow. That's so funny. You know, it's hilarious. There's like so many attorneys and lawyers that I, that, you know, that, well, they're one and the same that I speak to a lot of them. When I asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up, they said a lawyer, like, yes. it's so funny. It's like embedded from like mm-hmm. day one. That's so awesome. And what I really love is like the two women in your life who were also lawyers. Oh my God, that's so cool. And like your grandmother in 1936. Yeah. Yeah. There are pictures and she's with, you know, this class and it's just all men. And then my grandmother, and I have this notebook with clippings from her court cases. And it's so amazing because to look back at the newspaper articles, the way they would frame what she was doing, you know, they would say, the tiny blonde lawyer dressed in pink with a matching hat. You know, it was all about the fashion and, and so much less about what she was saying. And it was the opportunity to go with her and watch her in person that really impacted me. And I think that's what I see echoed when I bring girls into companies is that face-to-face. It's one thing to do a role model interview on paper or even over Zoom, which we have pivoted to during COVID. But that immediacy of standing a girl in someone's boardroom and having that woman say, I felt just like you did when I was your age. I hated raising my hand in history. And then I got over it. And now this is my company. Come meet my team and see what I do. That face-to-face, I just don't think there's a replacement for it. Wow. I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Well, I just like love, I just... <laughs> Like I just came over to 1936. That's the coolest thing ever. Does she ever told you like what it was like, like being in the room with like all these guys and like, cause I can't, I can't wrap my head around what it was like to be an attorney at that point in time. You know, I think for her, the experience echoed a lot of other experiences she was having just being a woman at that time in general. You know, she was the only, or one of the only women in her class. She was usually the only woman in the courtroom. She went to school at night because her grand her parents had a grocery store. And so she would work in the store during the day, then go to class, 
study with the open stove, you know, in the middle of the store at night. I mean, the stories are like stories that everyone's family has when someone was the first to do something. And so the inspiration there, I never felt like there was an excuse for not throwing my shoulder into it and working really hard because look how she did it. I love it. Oh my goodness. So you come from a, a beautiful line of like very strong women, which is the most remarkable thing. That's amazing. So they basically served as your role models growing up and getting into your field. That's amazing. Yeah. And the idea of mentorship really threaded through. I mean, I had great mentors in college. I had mentors in law school. When I got to my firm, my very first mentor there, and I was assigned to her for the first two years was a woman. And I'm close with her to this day. That's amazing. Women help women. That's the truth. Yeah. We build relationships. We, you know, no offense to guys, you know, love you. No, guys. and I'm not saying that I didn't have but, amazing male mentors as well. I mean, my father and, and professors, and it's so instrumental, right? Male mentors and allies and sponsors and throughout oh, yeah. your professional life, it's essential. But yes. just for me personally, it happened to be that the core group of mentors happened to be women. Absolutely. Well, that's why I always say, I'm like, sorry guys, but like women are just so strong at creating relationships. Like they're great too. Like we love them. They're our allies and all that, but like women just, they just connect and they click so well. It's, it's really amazing. It's really amazing how they help each other, you know, which is so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. So basically, you know, you took off and you knew you went straight after college. You just went straight to law school. I did. I did. I went straight through um, yeah, I mean, I graduated law school at 23, so it was really young. Wow. And so with that being said, because you had mentioned you were going to a big firm, you went to a big firm after you graduated. Mm-hmm. So as, as I have friends in law school, so I'm asking on, on, on their behalf, just yeah. a little bit, you know, how do you get into those bigger firms and like, how do you build those relationships? And this could go for anybody who's in any, you know, mm-hmm any college program, you know, undergrad or graduate, like any tips that you have that you learned through your process? You know, I think in a way it's easier now, you know, when I did this and I'll date myself, but when I did this, there was, you know, there was no email, there was no LinkedIn, there was, it was not like that. Every interview was in person, every correspondence was written. Um, I think right now with something like LinkedIn, you know, let's say you're a college junior or a college senior and you are looking to next steps. Um, looking at people who work in places you might someday want to work or people who write about or lecture about topics that interest you, it's, it's such an easy thing to reach out and say, I'm not asking for anything. I just want you to know that this resonated with me, that I watched your speech on this and it moved me and to stay in touch. Or I found this other article and I thought you would like it. And you start these relationships, you know, emailing someone cold and saying, hello, would you mentor me? is not really the way to do it, but adding value, being respectful of that person's time and reaching out with a common interest, it's easier now, I think, than it ever was. And when that's done well, when someone reaches out to me and says, I'd love to ask you three questions by email about law school or about mentorship in general, or I will just not say no, because when it's done with a genuine interest in learning something, you know, absolutely you want to do that. And I feel like most people I know feel the same way. So reaching out through social media, it could be a DM on Instagram. It can be on LinkedIn. These are easy and quick ways. And you already know that there's a common interest. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And also too, like you said, about adding value. Mm-hmm. That 
is super, super key and building those relationships and kind of just like putting yourself out there. I tell people all the time, all you have to do is ask. There's so many people out there willing to help you. Like it's okay to ask questions. I was a mess. I remember, you know, being in like a young entrepreneur and just like going and speaking to so many people. I'm just like, can you, you know, what, what was your experience with this? And what was your experience with that? And you know, all of that and maintaining those relationships. So I love that. I love and you asked specifically about firms and it's even easier there because firms are putting out so much information. So if there is a firm that you're really interested in or a practice area you want to know more about, read their white papers, watch their videos. There is so much thoughtful content being put out by these leading firms. Absorb it and respond to it. It's an easy way to do it. I love that. I love that. And now transitioning from like your big firm career, you know, where you had, I mean, you had golden handcuffs. (laughs) Right who works corporate, but like the hardest thing is pushing away from that and going solo as you did. Mm-hmm. So walk me through that process. What was your aha moment to be like, see ya, you know, kind of like, cause that's well, not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And I did it twice. Wow. So when I first started practicing, I worked for the first um, five and a half years or so in mergers and acquisitions. And, you know, I was constantly on the go. I was constantly on a plane. I was moving around and I loved it, but it was very intense. And then I had two kids within 20 months of each other. And so I left for six years. When my kids were small, I left the firm for six years. My husband traveled constantly. And I just felt like many women do that we needed boots on the ground in one respect or the other. And I was incredibly fortunate I was able to do it. So I stayed home for six years. And when my youngest went to school, I went back to the same firm for another 10 years. So so then I was back and it was great. And I just traveled less and had a slightly different role. But I mean, I love the firm. I love the people. I, I'm still in contact with them. And so when I left the next time in 2014, I felt a little more ready. I've, I had had another decade there. I loved the work. The department that we had built was really humming along and on its own. And I felt in a way that I was just ready for something else. And it wasn't as hard a decision as I thought it was going to be, in part because the firm was amazing. Um, but I really felt like there was something else. And a lot of it had to do with the mentorship. I left in 14. I didn't launch Etra until 16. But during that time in between, I was thinking so much about mentorship and how fortunate I was and how to pay it forward. And putting the website up was just a natural next step. And one of the first groups to interview me about it was my law firm. So they, they fully got the idea of female mentorship from day one. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So in that in-between period, you know what? So it was more so like planning and getting everything kind of rolling. Yeah, I really wanted to think about, you know, the entity structure itself. Is this a nonprofit? Is it a for-profit? Is it only a website or is it going to have other components to it? Three years after we launched, we put our first book out. We have another book coming out next year. So there were all these little extra things that were happening. But mainly what I wanted to do was listen to the women I respected. And I almost went on like a little, a listening tour is a silly phrase, but I really did. I just sat down with women and said, if someone wanted to ask you a career question, would you answer them? If someone wanted face-to-face to meet with you for 10 minutes, do you have that capability? And I expected to get some yeses, some nos, a little feedback about why this was not gonna be the most effective way to provide mentorship. 
And across the board, women were like, tell me what to do. What do you need? I remember what it's like to be that age. Absolutely, I'm in. And it took shape faster than I thought it would. Um, some really influential women liked it early on and their praise and their support was instrumental. But I was just overwhelmed by how many women immediately were like, oh, I love this. Yes, what can I do? Oh, that's incredible. That's, you see what I mean? Ladies in their relationships, they just do yeah. big. That's so exciting. And now like, because you were first time entrepreneur in this, right? I am, like, first I'm the one. <laughs> So what was the first like three years like? Because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening as well. And so what were some of your challenges and how did you work through them? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. The challenge for me was to really focus. I was getting a lot of advice from a lot of people to focus on the girls. And I formed a board that was all middle and high school age girls. Oh. Started out with 10 girls on the board. You laugh. There are a hundred of them now. And every month I send out an email with questions. And some of its updates, we're doing this. If you want to sign up to talk to someone from Snapchat, if you want to meet someone from Billboard, you know, the usual events. And then usually there are five questions at the bottom and those really guide what we do. If we had a choice to interview this CEO or this athlete, who would you pick? And if 80% of the girls pick the athlete, that's who we're interviewing. You know, do you think that we should do a second book? Do you think that we should join this philanthropic campaign on Instagram? Things like that. And they guide what we do and staying very, very close to what they want and the topics that mean something to them. I think that was initially the biggest challenge and it had the biggest reward. So that was really important. And we just grew very organically. I didn't know we would have after school clubs until one of my girls said, why can't I bring this to my school? So you know, they had great ideas and it was just my job to say, yes, let's figure out how to do it. And this is middle to high school aged girls. Middle to high school was really where I started. I aimed it at middle school. And then as they were growing into high school, the surprise for me was that when my first class of girls graduated high school, they didn't want to let it go. No longer were they in high school where their club was, but now they said they needed different things. Now I want to reach back to that woman we met at Morgan Stanley and ask her to look at my resume. And I don't know anything about making a LinkedIn page. And what's a virtual interview? How do I possibly do that? And so we started Etra Campus last year. So it's still very new. But the idea is that they can circle back to those women that they met and say, hi, I met you at Spotify and you were really great. And I'm interested in internships in the music industry. What do you suggest? And it's sort of a second bite at the apple. And the advice is just as invaluable as it was the first time. So that's been a really lovely reconnect and not one that I anticipated at all. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, what I love is that you've stayed open and you've stayed mm -hmm. fluid because some people would be like, what do middle-aged girls, you know, middle school aged girls know? What do high school? Everything. Look, look, <laughs> they know everything. Like, look at what they created, which is yeah. so, so, so cool. I mean, and the, and those relationships, I tell everyone your network is your net worth. Yeah. We know not what you know. And that's just how the game goes, no matter what. So I'm like, brand yourself and focus on those relationships. And you will get, whether an entrepreneur, whether in the corporate world, like it's a whole nother level. And I love what you did with them that you- Well, you said that exactly right. And when you start as young as middle school, they just get more practiced at asking the questions, at being unabashed to raise their hands in a boardroom and say, I don't understand this, or how does this work in your day? Or what classes did you take to become skilled enough to do this? And if they can ask questions in a boardroom in middle school, 
they will ask questions in a boardroom later. And so some of that early practice, early comfort is just sort of icing on the cake. That's incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. You raise strong women, you start as young as possible, right? right? So that when they're used to it, it just becomes a habit. They learn in middle mm-hmm. school, they'll continue it through high school and then continue it for the rest yes. of their lives. I love where you're starting with that. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. And, and they what- ask really good questions. I mean, they're not asking fluff. They're asking, you know, I had someone at one of our last, um, we've been doing these pop-up mentorships during COVID. So, you know, instead of going to a company, obviously we'll do a Zoom which lets us actually bring girls from a bunch of different states or even different countries now, which we weren't doing before. And we can have more girls in the room. But someone asked something about, you know, is um, ambition more important than passion? Like really substantive, thoughtful questions. Wow. As a first time entrepreneur too, like what have been some of your biggest challenges? Because I know COVID's probably one of them. (laughs) Try to figure out. COVID was one of them. It made some things easier in the sense that I wasn't renting buses and you know signing permission slips to move girls around a city. It was a Zoom link and they could just jump on and we could invite entire Girl Scout troops and things like that. So in that respect, COVID broadened our audience and made our network a little more global, which was interesting. We obviously lost that face-to-face, which you know is so important to me. I think other challenges were keeping the same voice to the girls and keeping the same mission, even though our age group was expanding so much, you know, not being just middle school and speaking to those girls and any moms or aunts looking over their shoulder, but speaking to high school girls who had very different college questions. Now, all of a sudden, if their sports team, their spring musical, their yearbook, all of it went out the window because it was remote school, what activities could differentiate them? How could we help them present to colleges? Those were big challenges. And luckily we had a network of women so we could say, what about a virtual internship? What about a pandemic project that you could actually show to someone in a STEM field? What about something in aerospace? What, you know, something unusual that was close to their interests. But those were questions that we hadn't anticipated. No one had. Those were all challenges. I don't think they were unlike any youth focused organization experiencing COVID. I was really impressed by how the girls responded and the projects they created and the way they wanted to go into their communities and help. So Mm -hmm. what was a challenge to me, they used as a springboard. That's incredible. Well, I love how fluid and open to change and adaptable that you, that you are like the adaptability is amazing. Yeah. You know, which has been, I think the reason why you're so super successful is that you're so open and receptive and just like willing to accept their thoughts and their process and respect their opinions. And then, you know, to be able to create this and be able to kind of juggle whatever comes your way, because I I find this, I mean, I struggled with this too, as an entrepreneur, when I first started, I, I remember, so I had my first was a restaurant and it's like, it was so hard to break that barrier of like, what do I want versus like, what does your customer want? Like, what does your avatar want? Right. And I was like, so hard headed. I'm like, no, well, this is so good. And, and like, like, it's like, you're stuck in your ways. But like, I think that for you, it's it's so incredible to to watch you sort of take it all in and, and morph that. And I think that's a huge recipe to your, your success. I, your- I hope I, I do know that I have to be better at, you know, the things again, not uncommon delegating. And there are times where I want to do everything that the girls suggest. And we really do have to pull back and say, we're going to do one. And so let's vote on it and let's talk about it, but we can't do everything. You know, you wish you had 50 people around you all the time helping to make it happen. But, but right now, you know, we pick and choose and just listen to the girls and that's really it. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. And now what's been sort of like your favorite moment? Oh, I love your that company. Question. That is a great question. One of my favorite moments has to be our first in-company visit. Spotify hosted us for the very first visit. And the first thing they did, they brought the girls in and they threw them up on the stage. And so they're on this huge Spotify stage and the look on their faces that, you know, they're looking at, they're meeting these women, they're listening to the executives, but they're on the stage. They're looking around where every music icon that they know has stood. And the fact that they, you could see on their faces that they were in the moment, in the room, and every hand was up asking questions. And I really thought at that moment, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to be. The website is fine. The on-paper interviews are fine. This is the heart of it. That was a big aha moment. And I think when the first book came out and the girls, I had quotes from 40 women and 50 girls. And when the girls saw that their quote about their sport or ambition or whatever they were speaking about in the book was right next to the quote of a CEO or the quote of a founder that they knew. And they were all just juxtaposed next to each other watching the girls' faces at the book launch when they were signing books, you know, like complete pros, by the way. Oh that was another moment where I just, you want to take a step back and just watch them and say like, they are rising to this occasion wow. with such grace and pride. And I love that moment. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so tell us about your books. I know that's already launched and you're working on a new one. Yes. I mean, we have a new one. The first book was called Etra Girls, Who Do You Want to Be? And it was a compilation of articles that I had written for Huffington Post and Thrive Global and Elevate. And we organized the book in the same categories that the website presents in. So be wise, where the S is a dollar sign, was all about financial confidence. And we had quotes from women in finance. We had quotes from girls about money management or earning money, and then all of the articles. And there were 10 topics, and it was just a blast to do. And and the girls were amazing. So that was our first book, and that came out on Day of the Girl in 2019. And our next book, which is going to be called The Epic Mentor Guide, which is exciting, and I haven't said the title out loud on too many things yet, so that's fun, is aimed at an older group. So that is, the first book was aimed more at middle school. This is for college and high school and that pre-professional crowd. And we are collecting questions from girls from everywhere that are specific to work. How do I get noticed at Netflix? How do I land an internship at SpaceX? You know, companies that they love. And then we're having women at those companies answer the questions. So so it's a really dynamic, cool Q&A, but very work specific with real questions that girls want the answers to before they start work. You know, how do I write a cover letter? Is a cover letter even necessary anymore? When do I send the thank you note after the interview? Questions like that. What makes a great intern? And so we're having these these women answer the questions. That will come out on International Women's Day of 22. Oh my God, so pumped. That's yeah, it's gonna be fun. Incredible, so incredible. And now, like, what would be some of your biggest tips based on what the girls have have learned so far in your company? That's a great question, too. I think the wisdom that they're getting from a lot of the women, a lot of it revolves around risk. Mm. Take the risk. Be when they say be brave, they really mean it. You know, jump in, follow. You might not know yet that you have a passion, but you know that you have an interest. You know, you know the classes you look forward to, you know the activities that you just can't wait till the end of the day to go and do. Lean into that and that will take you to that next step. So there's a lot of be brave and this is how I followed my passion. What I love about the wisdom that we're getting from women is that it's not sort of empty, like follow your dreams and everything's going to be fine. 
It's yeah. very granular. It's very action packed. This is how I did it. These are the classes I took. This is the question I asked in that interview that got someone's attention. And the specificity, I think, is really helpful. I like that when I get answers. And I think the girls do too. That's incredible. And now I have a very, very complicated question. I always ask this. This is my fave. And this could be business or personal. But what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Oh, so good. Don't cut your own bangs. Leaps to mind. <laughs> Just stop doing it. <laughs> on, on a serious note, I think I was such a straight line to law and I never doubted it. But I also, in doing that, I didn't actually contemplate that other things would bring me joy. And I never could have imagined doing this and feeling like I was having an impact, even if it was small, that that would be so gratifying. So I think even if you have, I would tell myself, even if you have this career path laid out, and even if it looks like just the straightest line in the world, see the joy possibilities in other places. Don't ignore them. Allow that to come in. And when the time's right, you're going to do it. But I am the most unlikely person to start a venture like this. And it's brought me so much joy. It's ridiculous. That's so amazing. I know. And I love it. That's what I was saying. Like you're so fluid and so receptive and just like so open to so much. And you're just like adapting and you're going and it really speaks to your growth. Truly, I feel like everyone is right now. Yeah. I feel like everyone you have to be as well, right? Pivot is sort of the name of the game right now. It really, really is, but you're handling it so well. So kudos to you on that. And the impact that you're doing in the process is just like unreal because these girls will remember that forever and they're going to pass it on and pass it on, you know, generations from now. So you're starting that from here, which is huge. So major kudos to you. And with that being said, you know, what's going on now? What's new in your world? We became a TED Ed Club and that was a lot of fun. So, you know, thinking of things to do during COVID, if school clubs were off the table, what could we offer? And so we got licensed to be a TED Ed club. So I have 18 girls finishing their TED Talks now, and they're going to film the first week of June. And that's been tremendous. Their topics are great. They're really substantive. We've got college girls acting as leaders to help them practice and refine the talks. So that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a new page on our website for TED Etra TED Ed. And hopefully we'll be able to do that every year. This is our first time, but hopefully I'd love to see that every season. So that's new. And the book, and I think probably just the transition moving back into live events Mm. in the fall. You know, the the pop-up mentor events have been great. I mean, and we'll keep that. Again, this is something that came up about organically, but we'll absolutely keep these virtual mentor pop-ups because it allows us to interact. You know, we had an author in the UK talk to us about writing her book and it was phenomenal. So new options there. But I think coming back to the live events, I'm excited to do that. That's incredible. Oh, heck yes. Heck yes. I'm pumped for you. I mean, I just can't, I'm so like watching the world come back slowly is the greatest thing ever. And I just can't wait till we're fully back to normal, but we're almost there. And like the live events and everything, because you can't beat that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Virtual is awesome, but in-person is even more awesome. So it is. And I think everyone will really crave it once schools are back and parents are comfortable and companies are comfortable and everyone has a sense of what's safe to do. We'll figure out how to do them again. Absolutely. Oh man. And now where can everybody find you and the amazing Etra community? So it is E-T-R-E girls. So our website is etragirls.com. We're Etra girls everywhere on social media. So E-T-R-E girls and Instagram really has the 
the most recent updates. When we're doing events, we have a Monday edit. So every Monday we talk about what's coming during the week. We have Instagram takeovers where we highlight different girls doing amazing things. So we're always looking for more uh, girls to highlight. And on the website, there are places you can find to start a club at your school, to join the board. I always want more voices on the board. And there are serious board positions. You know, there are club founders and interns and digital content strategists and all, all girls. And if you're a woman looking to mentor or you want to be involved on the website, there's a how to mentor and we need you. We love the wisdom. We love the experienced voices. So please contact us. But yeah, at Etra Girls Everywhere. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Alana, for being here today and just for your mission and just continuing to just spread awesomeness into the world and empower these lovely ladies to go out and basically dominate the world. Who run the world? Girls, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for getting what we do and for asking me. It's, It's exactly stuff like this. Other women who really get it and spread the word like this is exactly how we've grown. And so thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.